the Super 90s Brothers! You've got a friend in me You've got a Warm bed. You just remember what your you Thank you, Randy Newman, and welcome back to the Super 90s Brothers, where we do hazy memory riffs on the most infinity and beyond decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer, along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler, and today we're talking about Toy Story. Man, it's. Well, I say I think feel like we do this every episode. It's it's been a while, but uh, it's we're back and we actually have a plan of coming out with new episodes every two weeks at least for the next three months. So very proud of you for coming out and uh, welcome back to everyone for listening to the Super Nineties Bros. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited and I'm, I'm I'm very excited to do this episode and uh, but I want to I I think by the time this airs, Adam. Will, will it have been your 40th birthday? I wish you wouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just turned 40. I'm feeling good about turning 40. You're not feeling good about turning 40? You're a dad. Like, y- you can be 40. It's, it doesn't really change your persona at all. Like, dads are 40. Like, dads can be 40. They can be. Like, mm- right? Maybe they aren't, but they certainly can be. Me, sexy, swinging, single dude, you know, who's married... I was gonna say you're sing- you're not single, you're married. <laughs> no, but I look like I could be, you know. I look like I could be single, right? Like a divorced dad? Apparently <laughs> so, according to what happened recently. <laughs> oh man. I told Abby. <laughs> she thought it was cute. I will say this about all that. I got a a text from a buddy, one of our friend John James, and he sent me a photo of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And he said, I don't know why, but you look a lot like Travis Kelsey in this photo, and I'm our like, buddy, our buddy John James, who is gay, and I was teasing about Brennan earlier. John James definitely gay, yep. and he likes Travis Kelsey, and he thinks Brennan looks like him. Is where my mind goes on that. So yeah, and so John so, James is hitting on me, and but the Kelsey brothers have done a lot for average-looking white dudes. You know, they're making us hot again. Good for you. I miss when traditional hot was hot. You know, because that's the field I think I play in <laughs> personally. Jason Kelsey's fine. I'm over Travis. Let's not talk about the Kelsey's. Okay, fine. What we need you guys to do, though, is give us those awesome five-star reviews on Apple iTunes Music. Click on there. Give us a five-star. Give it, Say something nice about Brennan and him being looking like Travis Kelsey or coming out or whatever you want. And then reach out to us on the social medias. Super90sBrothers at gmail.com is where you can reach out and request shows or talk to us or react. All spelled out. Super90sBrothers at gmail.com. At Super 90s Brothers. Brennan is at Spocast Pods. Again, interact with us. We want to hear from you. Absolutely. Okay, so this movie debuted in November 19th, 1995. Little Brennan and I were a few short months away from our 12th birthday. But what I want to do is I want to set the scene for everybody. So I want you to close your eyes and travel back in time for just a moment. Picture yourself. It's around Thanksgiving, 1995. You're enjoying an 
ultra-stimulating game of Solitaire on your brand new Windows 95. We just learned that Superman Christopher Reeves doesn't know how to ride a horse, and the radio starts playing. Downswing in the last few days. You can't stop Hootie, you can only hope to contain them. Dare I say, they're anything but en fuego. They rarely touch nothing but the bottom of the net. These blowfish stink. That was the number 11 song in the U.S. at the time, Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blowfish. That video, I, I like started it and it is so freaking lame because you didn't give me a timestamp. You usually give me timestamps, not for songs, but like for everything. And I'm like, where do I start this at? And when I started, I was like, why am I watching like an old clip of ESPN? Like, why is Dan Patrick, is it Keith Olbermann too? It's just a really bad video. Like they're playing golf and basketball. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. There's weird random sports anchors and sports is going on in the video there's a lyric where he says the dolphins make me cry which is i guess about the miami dolphins post malone changes the cowboys on his remix which is super lame post malone <laughs> gonna remix the song you know <laughs> don't make it the cowboys anyway uh, yeah i don't know the video's weird it's stupid it's it looks like something that you could do with your buddy in an afternoon it looks like you and your buddy out shooting shots at the golf course right it's, they didn't have an idea for a video so they're just like why don't you come and film us playing golf and playing basketball? And let's invite some of our famous friends. Yeah, but like the song has like nothing to do with sports. And doesn't it seem like it's kind of a romantic song? He only wants to be with you. But then you're watching. He's just hanging out with his friends. Is this song about your friend? I only want to be with you and hang out with your friends. <laughs> as, a, as a 40 year old man who's no longer just interested in getting laid all the time. I totally get that. I just want to hang out with my friends sometimes. But it's a mixed message. What do you think? It's a very mixed message, and I did a little research because I wanted to know why they, you know, why they did this type of, why they did like, why didn't they make it a love song video where like he's like trying to get the girl or whatever? And I found, if I find out that Rucker said the idea for the video was he just wanted to meet all of our idiots, which I guess he's calling all these people idiots, his friends. It's bizarre. Like, it, do better, Darius. Do better, yeah. Hootie. Hootie. <laughs> the video Hootie Cabbage Patches. What's a what cabbage is, patch? You know, it's this thing. Oh. Yeah, it's like, it's when you put, for you Gen Zers and younger, you, I don't even know how to describe it. You put both hands in a fist and then you move them around in a sort of a synchronized circle. Yeah. It's really lame. It's, it's supposed to be kind of a joke dance move, not like a serious move, right? Yeah. But he's doing it in the video. That's true. It's a, it's a weird video. The songs are, I mean, what do you think about the song though? Do you care about the song? I never got into Hootie and the Blowfish. It was this was this represented a really strange time where I still felt like pop, like the most popular stuff going on was way too soft. Like Hootie and the Blowfish is a prime example of that. This shit is really soft and people were into it. Yeah, I never got into Hootie. I never I actually just thought his name was Hootie. I didn't know Hootie and the Blowfish was 
the I thought the Blowfish might have been the band, but Hootie was Darius Rucker. I never understood the band name at all, and I didn't do any research on that. I don't care why they're called Hootie and the Blowfish. I thought that was the case. Is that not the case? What you just described? No, his name's Darius Rucker. So he no. So his singer name isn't Hootie. No, it's who's Hootie. They're just a quartet of made up of Darius Rucker, Mark, Mark Bryan, and a couple other guys. And I mean, I guess there's probably there has to be some history behind the name, but it's just it's just a name that they that was their band name. But it is confusing because if you put and the Blowfish, you would just assume the lead singer's name is Hootie. Maybe that's his nickname. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Also, when did you find out Hootie was black? <laughs> I don't. Probably ten years later, when he, when he started doing yeah. country music. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I never watched this video. I did not watch music videos at this time in my life. I was not interested in music. Was okay, but sitting down to watch music on TV, it was very counterintuitive to me as eleven year old who liked. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and like the Simpsons and playing video games like TV felt like a lot more action and music was like a passive activity mm. and and music videos sort of combine the two. So unless the music videos were really action heavy, you know, those old like butt rock mm. um, bangers ball shit. I like that. But like these kind of videos, like I sitting around watching this video is such a confusing pastime to me when you could just listen to the song. It's not like this video is any good. No, yeah, right. it's so true. But it was popular. It was a popular song. I feel like you always heard about Hootie and the Blowfish for a lot. But the, going back to when did I know he was black? I mean, I'm a white kid in Spokane at the time, and like Hootie, Darius Rucker is very light skinned, and like you didn't, like you just didn't. I just didn't know. Like you just didn't know about that kind of stuff when you were a kid. So like, you didn't, never really thought much about it. But but then when he became a like a country artist, it's just, there's not a lot of black country artists let's be honest <laughs> i think a big i'm just kind of occurring to me now a, a decent chunk of their popularity i think may just be in the fun in saying the name hootie and the blowfish that's true i there's like a line in jerry Maguire about hootie and the blowfish i feel like hootie just was like very much of the pop culture you didn't really know who doing the hootie and the blowfish war you just knew that they existed and you probably made fun of their name it, it seemed to me parents, 40 to 50 year olds, they knew the words Hootie and the Blowfish and they were like, oh, these kids and they're listening to their Hootie and the Blowfish, right? Like <laughs> that was like a thing that was said in the 90s. It was like Hootie and the Blowfish, the title name of their band was like in the ether. People knew of it, even if they had no fucking idea who Hootie was. To this day, you and I are confused about. Yeah, exactly. I want to hear the story about someone that you know might have been in the music video. So this guy from Manhandlers, I so those who are new listeners or listen for a long time, I produced a, I directed and wrote a feature film named Manhandlers that you can watch on Amazon Prime. There's a dude in it named Ryan, and he told me once that he was in a Hootie and the Blowfish video that he was sort of like an extra in it when he was going to college. Mm. I the details on this are spotty because I haven't talked about this in 15 years, yeah. but like he, if I recall, he went to college at like Texas A and M. And I think Hootie went to college there or something like there was some sort of college connection between him and or maybe it was a frat brother and him or something that got him in some video. I always assumed it was this video, but I have no idea. Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't even name a number, another single from Hootie and the Blowfish. I, I probably know the song, but I, I couldn't name one. That's interesting. No. I, so I was looking up Hootie and the Blowfish just yesterday, like where are they now? And like when I Googled Hootie, I got... And I clicked news. I got 11 minutes ago, Hootie just arrested for possession in Tennessee. 
like like 11 minutes before I searched for him. Like recently, like he was just arrested. Yesterday, dude. What kind of possession? Marijuana? It didn't say. I'm sure it was. I mean, it's Tennessee, so I don't know if weed is legal in Tennessee. That's one of those weird backwater states that for some reason doesn't want to legalize things. Mm. Uh, Bert and I live on the West Coast where everything's legal except sports betting because the goddamn casinos have monopolized that vote or whatever. So we can't sports bet unless we go to a casino, which is stupid. That is stupid. A quick aside, California will let you do literally anything you want. You want to lay around the streets all day and shit and shoot up on needles and piss on the elementary school. You're good to go. But sports betting. Oh, no, that's a bridge too far. We can't allow that. (laughs) It's so fucking... Laws are stupid, Adam. <laughs> and, I mean, I shouldn't say laws. It just, you know, that is the world. I don't know. I would say other than that. It is, it's true, though. It's very true. That's an example of lobbyists getting exactly what they want when rational thinking should prevail. So, wait, we legalize everything in California. They can't bet on the fucking Raider game? Like, goddamn. So, anyway. <laughs> so speaking of only wanting to be with one person, whether it be a sexy lady blowfish or your favorite human that plays with you, today we're talking about one of our childhood favorites, Toy Story. Ow! <laughs> so, Adam, how how old were you when you first saw it? Did you see it in the theater? No, I missed it in the theater. The, the computer animation shit weirded me out. It's hard for me to explain, but I didn't like it. So I got it I got it on VHS like the day it came out. Like my stepmom brought it home the day it was released. She bought it at Fred Meyer or some shit. And she's like, I've heard this is really cute. And so I owned it on VHS in one of those big old Disney boxes. You know, we don't, I don't think we mentioned that. Disney put all their VHSs in this big sort of extended white bubbly case distinctly stood out from every other VHS copy you owned if it was purchased, which was just sort of a sleeve. And so you're like, your Disney movies like popped out and stared at you in the face on your shelf. Do you Mm -hmm. remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you have it on your shelf right now? Did you look? No, I mean, it's VHS. I got rid of all those those like 15 years ago, but Mm -hmm. I owned it. And this was one of the very first movies that I started falling asleep to. I Mm -hmm. would turn it on after I'm like 11, 12 years old, you know? And I would have the TV on all the time before bed. And this was this was one of my favorites to turn on and fall asleep to in the first 20 minutes. Now, we've talked about that a little bit on the show. But I would say this was maybe the first movie I started doing that with regularly because it's such a it's such a good movie in every way. Totally. My experience of going to see it in the theater was I saw it at the Garland. And so that was like the Garland in Spokane is a second run theater. And, but I feel like I might have saw it in the, the main theater, but I don't remember that. Like, I don't have that memory. I've seen it in a big theater, but I saw it at the Garland with my brothers and some neighbors. It was like 10 of us. And that was what stuck with me. And it's just such a fun, it, yeah, it was just such a fun movie. Such a good time. And I had it on VHS. I probably had it on DVD. It's a movie that just has kind of always been around my family. I had two younger brothers, so we watched so many Disney movies and this was definitely in it. I used to l- l- watch a lot of movies to fall asleep to, but this was not one of them. But I mean, it could be like even today, I to- put on Toy Story for the kids, like one Toy Story, two, three, four, whatever. And they don't fall asleep to it, but like they watch 30 minutes of it before before bed. But yeah, it, it's a like it just it became that movie that just was such a I mean, I don't know how long this was in the theaters for, but it was probably had to be in there for over six months. It was this around and you just everyone was talking about it and yeah it was just a it was a fun time it's a great time 
really nothing bad to say about this movie. Quick shout out. You mentioned the Garland Theater. Quick shout out to our good friend Chris Bovey for resurrecting the Garland Theater in mm. the community. And I know he has a partner. I'm not familiar with the partner, but Bovey and I have been friends since I was like 19 years old. And I went to his wedding and his lovely wife, Liz. And I just want really proud of the man he's become and what he's doing in your community over there. Yeah. If you're if you're listening and you want to go listen to a different podcast, listen to Spocast, my podcast. I just interviewed Chris Bovey and Tyler Arnold about them now managing the Garland and everything that's going into it and what we can expect. So if you're in Spokane, you want to learn more about it, please go listen to that podcast. There's a lot of good stuff in there. But now is probably time for my personal favorite part of the show. Brennan's bad synopsis. Oh man. I, it's been a while. I, since I've seen the movie, this should be very easy to do, but you know, you know me and trying to, you know, tell these stories. The movie's very simple. It's about toys that come alive when the the owner or the kid isn't around and they just have they like they have their own society in this room and their little society is disrupted when a new toy shows up, Buzz Lightyear. And Woody, who is the main toy, he's like the lead toy. He's like the the president, the mayor, or whatever you want to call him of the toys. Favorite. Like, favorite toy, thank you. Really is scared by Buzz Lightyear because he's shiny. He has all these little pieces on him. Like he has a, a light on his arm. He does all these, like he has a wings that come out. Like he's just really cool. He's a really cool toy. And he's definitely going to take over being Andy's new favorite toy. And the story of this is about like how Woody's dealing with that and how and what happens in <laughs> I'm like totally like, where am I going from here? So yeah, Buzz Lightyear is a new toy. He gets Andy gets Buzz for his birthday. And then kind of like a bunch of stuff ensues and Woody ends up trying to what happened <laughs> I got it. I'm sorry. I'm like, what happens basically is Andy and his mom are going to go to Pizza Planet to have dinner. And they're like all moving. Like they're all moving out of this house to somewhere else in town. And basically Andy has a choice to take either Buzz to the to Pizza Planet or Woody. And what does he do? He's going he's definitely going to take Buzz. So what Woody does is I'm just going to try to push Buzz in between the bed so he gets lost for a second and I can go. Well, what ends up happening is that Buzz ends up getting pushed out of the window and and I think one of the toys sees this and then they all kind of like blame Woody for pushing him out, which was a total accident. And then Woody also gets pushed out and then they end up trying to like, they end up hitching a ride to, to Pizza Planet. Well, I guess like in the car, but then they stop for gas and then they Woody and Buzz get into a fight at the gas station. They're not in the car anymore, so they're not going to Pizza Planet anymore. And then they end up hitching a ride in a Pizza Planet pizza truck to Pizza Planet where they then try to get back with Andy, but then end up in a like a claw machine. And what happens in the claw machine is that the next door neighbor. Now I'm saying this story. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like your synopsis, though. Is like <laughs> random thoughts that come into your head yeah. that you string into sentences and call a synopsis is what <laughs> I find funny. But yeah, but then the next door neighbor, who's like a a little maniacal, like evil, like neighbor. We all had those kids growing up. I had multiple maniacal, like crazy neighbors that I was I scared I of. Have, I think I might have been that kid. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up 
winning Buzz and Woody in a claw in the claw machine, and he takes them home. And then, but now they're right next door to their house, so they're like, "Let's get back over there." Buzz doesn't want to do it anymore. He's like in denial because he's found out that he's a toy and not a real space ranger. Uh, right. He starts acting like a little bitch because, like, he's a toy. And everyone kept telling him he was a toy. He's like, oh, my God, I'm a toy. And I'm like. <laughs> and at this house, there's all these other toys that Sid, that that character, that boy, he's made into these, like, Frankenstein dolls that are all like, kind of pieces of other dolls. And they're really scary looking. But they're actually really sweet. They just want to be toys as well and be played with. And basically what happens is Woody comes up with a plan to get back over to the house. But that doesn't really work out. But what has ends up happening to the really he's we just gotta sh- show him show Sid that toys are real and that they are alive. And Sid is gonna blow them up. Yeah, like he's got like a firecracker or something. He's like a big rocket firecracker. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's moving day still. At, you know, Andy's house, and the, they are now leaving at the same time that this is happening. And so they come up with a plan. We're gonna take this rocket now after they like scared Sid, and we're gonna use the rocket to get onto the moving truck. They succeed and they, Woody and Buzz end up being saved and back in uh, with Andy. And now Andy has two favorite toys, Woody and Buzz. And th- that's when it ends. Well, not before that there's a little, like a, <laughs> not before there's a little scene at the end where like Andy's now got a dog, which we'll talk about in Toy Story 2. <laughs> yeah, good job short and sweet the budget for this movie was only 30 million dollars brennan while i'm talking look up the budget for toy story three or four hmm. the box office for toy story was 394 million to date which means they're at about 13 times profit right now which is insane for a 30 million dollar pick like i'm pretty sure this was like this was Pixar's like first Disney label movie. I think they'd done some shorts and things like that before that, but this was their first like real movie. Mm-hmm. And like Steve Jobs had a hand in this movie. Like it's got this really sort of interesting backstory of this is like the future of CGI or whatever they were calling it at the time. Yeah. Um, did you find the budget for Toy Story three or four? The budget for Toy Story two was ninety million. Toy Story three was two hundred million, and the same for Toy Story four. And each of the box offices progressively got better through Toy Story 2, 3, and 4. Like, Toy Story 3 and 4 were like $1. billion each. But yeah, it's they all but did it, really well. But in terms of uh, percentage net gain, they couldn't touch Toy Story 1, which is 13 times profit. Yeah. as a, It's just nuts. This movie was just a an overwhelming success. And it had a killer cast, too. Obviously, Woody's the main character. Woody's the one that... I think more people can relate to because Woody's a little insecure and he's afraid of like the new shining things taking his place. And we all kind of know what that's like when your best friend, when you're a kid makes a new friend, is that kid going to take your place as the best friend? Mm. Or if you have, if you're, if you get a little brother or something, Brennan, were you worried that like one of your little brothers would become the favorite, you know? (laughs) I mean, I guess I, I wasn't really worried about that, but I, but because I'm so much older, but yeah, but Jordan definitely became the favorite. Jordan's the best at basketball, so <laughs> right. see why Bill would like that. Yeah, uh, but but it's it's a common human feeling to be sort of threatened by what's new and and being forgettable or replaceable. You know, is I think like kind of the core of this movie is like nobody wants to feel like they can be replaced so easily to those that love them. Mm-hmm. And, and Woody's love for his boy Andy 
is so sweet. It's so genuine. It's a lot like the love of a, of a dog or a pet that like all they want to do is be with their human and support them however they can. It's the kind of relationship that all humans love with their pets and wish they could have with each other, but they just can't. Right. <laughs> but, you know, Tom Hanks was big at the time. He had done Big and Forrest Gump and A League of Their Own all very recently and included Oscar wins and nominations. Well, all wins, I think. No. But anyway, I've got I've got to drop here for you when we sort of we meet Woody. Reach for the sky. Oh no, Sheriff Woody. I'm here to stop you, one-eyed bar. Yo! How'd you know it was me? Are you gonna come quietly? Can't touch me, Sheriff. I brought my attack dog with a built-in force field. Well, I brought my dinosaur! Leech force field dog! You're going to jail, Bart. Say goodbye to the wife and tater tots. So you see Andy talking for Woody, playing with his toys, setting his toys up in these little scenarios. This was like a bank robber scenario where Mr. Potato Head was the bad guy. It's sweet. It reminds us of our childhood, right? Yeah, totally. Brennan, why don't you do the next one? The ne- other toy is that Andy ends up getting is Buzz Lightyear, played by or voiced by Tim Allen. You know him from mostly just Home Improvement and the Santa Claus. I can't think of anything else he's in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and Buzz is like, he's a toy that doesn't believe that he's a toy. He thinks he's a space ranger. And when he shows up into Andy's room, he's he's thinks he's on another planet. And this is this is Buzz kind of meeting the other toys and what happens. The bed here. Local law enforcement. It's about time you got here. I'm Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, Universe Protection Unit. My ship has crash landed here by mistake. Yes, it is a mistake because you see the bed here is my spot. I need to repair my turbo boosters. Do people still use fossil fuels or have you discovered crystallic fusion? Well, let's see. Uh, we got double A's. <gasps> Watch yourself. Miles, who goes there? Don't shoot. It's okay. Friends. Do you know these life forms? <laughs> yes. They're Andy's. So that was Buzz Lightyear and. I feel like the them making Buzz like a a toy that doesn't know he's a toy was I mean it it, it was perfect because it was like it it just really set up the whole scene of not being able to take him seriously and and but also I don't it was so it's so weird watching the movie over and over again because you should really hate Woody for not liking Buzz but like you really feel for him you know like he you like he re, like in an animated movie you really feel for Woody and I don't want Woody to not be Andy's favorite toy anymore like I don't really like Buzz Lightyear and there was nothing not to like Buzz Lightyear about but they do a really good job making you not like him and it must be because of this opening scene I don't know like why is that <laughs> it's a good point I I think that it helped sell the story that about like the difference between animated and inanimated characters mm. and really not knowing the difference it's a bit of a plot hole though because buzz even though he doesn't know that he's not a space ranger he still behaves like a toy when humans are around he still just goes limp you mm. know which isn't necessarily a rule of theirs so it's that's a little bit of a plot hole also i don't ever remember any other toys from the whole franchise being confused about being a toy or not yeah it's it is true it's a it is a plot hole but i guess it's a necessary one <laughs> it works i'm not bitching about it but that's what happened you, you're you brought up a good point that like they do try and make Buzz maybe not unlikable. Maybe that's not the right word, but a little a little rough around the edges, mm-hmm. you know? 
Whereas Woody just feels really like genuine and wholesome. And you don't really get to see that side of Buzz until he comes full circle and realizes that he's just a toy, but it's not that bad. And now he has a place in this little community and he has to do right by them. Right. Like you kind of get that. But then I also thought that in the sequels, Buzz's importance was largely muted. Like he was only truly important to the central plot in this one to my in my opinion the rest he was just kind of one of the toys right yeah no it's it the i feel like from here on out like buzz's character is this kind of yeah it is he's always kind of a, a main character but you'd never really need him he just you could have just got rid of him <laughs> part three at all they like give him a spanish language voice and just make him like side humor that's like, true like, yeah not important in that one at all but but anyway the rest of the voice actors that I wanted to go through is a really great and funny cast of some of the greats to ever do it. I'll start with Don Rickles and Jim Varney, mm. who are two world-class comedians and have done a million things, have been in a million different roles and obstacles in their career, and they're always the funny guy. Jim Varney, obviously famous from the Ernest movies, and Don Rickles was a famous insult comic before he sort of got into bit acting. Wallace Shawn is the inconceivable guy from Princess Bride, and mm -hmm. he plays T-Rex, I think. Yeah. And, and then John Ratzenberger was coming off a really long, successful comedic stint on the show, the, the really successful show Cheers, and he comes in and he plays the pig, I think. And he's got a really distinct voice, too. So they went out and they found all these really funny, established actors in the comedy world, and they cast them as side characters in this movie to make sure it was funny at all times. And I thought it was just genius. I love the casting. Yeah, the casting's really good. And there's, I mean, and then there's even like other, like Arlie Emery, like has like a very small part. He's he's a sergeant, and that and Arlie Emery is famous for being in a Full Metal Jacket as the drill sergeant in that. And yeah, there's Ermy. a. Go ahead. I think it's Ermy, Arlie Ermy. Oh, is that how you say it? I've always said Emery. But no, you're right. One of us, one of us is wrong. But <laughs> right. Um, he, Brennan's right. He's got a really distinct military voice that's famous from military roles. Another famous '90s actor, Eric Von Deaton, who is in the movie Brink, <laughs> plays a, does the voice of Sid Phillips. <laughs> We're gonna do Brink someday. Someday we'll do Brink. I promise. <laughs> but yeah, it's Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne, the sister. There's just a ton of people in this movie. It's a great cast of characters, and like when you have 20 different characters and they're all like voiced by like really good actors, I feel like that really gives a movie a lot of depth because like you yeah you couldn't do this if it was live action <laughs> plays the mom which isn't overly funny right i have nothing but respect for Lori metcalf and what she's done to comedy over the course of her career she has been in so many good funny things seriously i am to be Lori metcalf sometime and just look i was like this lady's been in everything and most of it's been good yeah so she's she's definitely very well respected in the comedy community yeah um, and well, I just wanted to get into some of our favorite scenes, unless you had something else. I, I don't know, I got anything. Let's get into our favorite scenes. I mean, we know the opening, like Andy's playing with his toys, and but and the to that was the first drop we listened to, mm -hmm. and all the toys were happy, but they're all a little trepidatious because they know it's Andy's birthday today, and Andy's having a little birthday party, and his friends are coming over, and all these toys are really anxious to find out what Andy's getting because. If nothing else, they're going to at least join their little cohort of toys. And we got a fun drop of them sending. They arranged like this little covert ops mission to send all the little army guys down to spy on the gift opening so they can report back to base and figure out how to manage these new coming toys. Come in, Mother Bird. This is Alpha Bravo. 
This is it. This is it. Quiet, 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 quiet. All right. Andy's opening the first present now. Mrs. Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head. Hey, I can dream, can't I? The boat's coming off. He's ripping the wrapping paper. It's a... It's... It's a lunchbox. We've got a lunchbox here. A lunchbox? Lunchbox. Lunch. Okay, second present. It appears to be... Okay, it's bed sheets. Who invited that kid? I've been stealing that line. Who invited that guy? Or who invited that dude? I've been stealing that my whole life. Whenever somebody gives a shit gift or they say something stupid at a party, I'll immediately look over. <laughs> I love that line. That was Don Rickles. And his inflection on words is what makes him so funny, in my opinion. It really is. He... Him and Potato Head, they have so many good one-liners in it. I, I'm sure there's a making of this movie somewhere, but I would love to know how much they got to ad-lib like, that scene if they got to at all because it, some of the stuff they say is, I, there's no way like they wrote that, but maybe they did. But yeah, it was a, yeah that was a, that's a really good scene. One of my favorite scenes is when they're in the Pizza Planet and they're about to get pulled up from the machine so they go into Pizza Planet, and there's like a spaceship or something on the side or inside the claw machine. And, those, and just so we're being clear, we're talking about that game that you put a quarter in this giant claw, you control it, and it drops down, and it grabs stuff. And in this case, it's toys. It's mm -hmm. like little toys. The little and aliens, right? Like All these little three-eyed aliens, I think, mm -hmm. kind of living inside this machine. But Buzz crawls up inside the machine to get to this made-up spaceship or something. And Woody chases after him to go get him and try and find Andy. And when that happens, Sid starts playing the game. And Sid puts the coin in. And we've got that drop, too. Now boarding this is an intergalactic emergency. I need to commandeer your vessel to Sector 12. Who's in charge here? Claws, our master. Claw chooses who will go and who will stay. This is ludicrous. Hey, Bozo, you got a brain <gasps> I Now I realize that it's a looks like a spaceship, and that's why they get into it, because Buzz is, like, trying to get back to his planet, which he still thinks, because he still thinks he's not a toy. Um, I love when movie characters have sort of their own religion about dumb shit going on. <laughs> the way these little aliens have a religion about the claw. I just find that stuff really funny. Like, all these little aliens have lived in this fucking thing their whole life, and this claw just plucks some of them randomly out of society, and they all see it as, like, getting chosen or going to heaven or something. And really, they're, like, going to the worst kid in the fucking community's house. Yeah. And he kills that alien that he gets, or he blows him up or something. Do you ever play those machines get to try to win stuff? Uh... Yeah. I have this great story. I was at some arcade once, a big arcade that had a lot of shit going on, and I was there with my dad or something. I don't really remember who I was with. But we watched the dude show up and stock one of those things. Mm. And we immediately got on it, like, right afterwards because it had just been stocked. And the, I'm not sure if the dude overstocked it or if that's always the case. But we must have got six or seven toys out. And I distinctly remember picking up one toy and it tumbling into another toy that was so high because it was so overstocked and dragging that toy with it to the end and getting, like, a twofer, just like what happens in this movie, I got at least one two for that day because the thing was so overstocked you could just knock shit over into the catch. I I never win. I've I've stopped playing those games because I can. I, when I was a kid, I could never win a claw machine. Uh, I couldn't start winning claw machines until I started playing claw machines like 
made you win like you had to play until you won (laughs) ones right but i never i've never i don't think i've ever won a toy out of a claw machine the claw machine there's only two measurements there's like horizontal and lateral right Mm -hmm. and you see you can see one of them right in front of you You can line one up in front of you the key to me was getting a spy on the side you know Mm -hmm. so you had two sets of eyes on the clock once so that you could line up both angles and that was a big help and then the other thing was there's a big strategy as to who to target Mm -hmm. you really got to make sure they're not too close to the side or they're not going to get caught up on some other toy or something there's a real strategy to it that i got into as a kid Mm. Kind of the final scene that I, I think is probably one of the best scenes and is when at the very end, they're outside of Sid's house. They're about to get blown up by this big like rocket, this uh, firecracker thing. And then Woody comes up with this plan to come alive so they can scare Sid and get back over to Andy's house. And But it is the way Woody comes up with this plan and what they do is, is so kind of creepy. If you are afraid of toys, like coming alive, like, this would fucking scare me. <laughs> so here's that clip. Now on, you must take good care of your toys. Because if you don't, we'll find out, Sid. We toys can see everything. So play nice. That, you know what's funny about Toy Story is there's always like one scene in the movie that's fucking creepy. And I, I don't know. If, now I think about it, like they must be doing that on purpose because in Toy Story 3 at the very end, they're basically coming to terms with their death. Like they're going into this big like incinerator. Like they're going to die. Like they're going to get melted alive. And then they're saved by a claw. But like it is a fucking if you're a kid watching this and the, the toys are going to die, coming to terms with that is weird. And I think there might be something similar in Toy Story 2, but it is a real weird that, scene. There was also that crooked purple teddy bear that was like running slave labor in the daycare in part three. That, that <laughs> shit was creepy, dude. I was into it, but it was creepy. Yeah. So one thing we like to do in this show is called this and that. And I thought it'd be fun this week. If we talked about our own childhood toys, mm. Brennan, Tell me about a time or a game or or the kind of toys that you would play with as a kid and what your imagination would do with those toys. Man, I, I'm trying to think. I did not have, I don't have an, didn't have that great of an imagination as a kid. Like the toys I played with were, I had like a Teddy Ruxpin, which I'd never really imagined. I never had like toy toys. Like I had Ninja Turtles when I was like a, like probably like in the late eighties and I would play with them for a little bit. I, now I think about it, there was these one toys. I had the Californian, the California Raisin Men, and I had the entire set of them. And I would set them up and have them sing songs, and I would sing songs with them. We're like playing Ryan Seacrest with your toys. <laughs> right. But like my way of imagination when I was a kid is I loved to perform. Like I would sing songs and just dance around, and I was very annoying as a child like it's no wonder i'm in podcasting now because like i love being the center of attention and that's what i was doing and but then i but i also got a nintendo when i was like four years old and i played a ton of video games if i was not if i was playing with toys it i would was probably bored or or couldn't play video games because i would normally just be playing video games Mm. what about you what did you what toys did you play with adam Vernon, would you think it's fair to tell our listeners I have a pretty active imagination? Yes, I would. Well, that's always been the case. 
like my whole existence. I was like coming up with stories when I was like four years old. I had this awesome set of He-Man action figures. I had an awesome set of Ninja Turtle action figures. And I had an awesome set of pow- Power Wheels. What are they called? Power Wheels? No. Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. Sorry. Yeah. I had a Power Wheel, but we had hot. I had an awesome set of Power Wheels. Excuse me. Hot Wheels. And so I would off. There was. I'll tell you this one awesome story. Me and my neighbor, Mark Conley. Shout out to Mark out there. If I ever talk to you again. But he had G.I. Joe's and a lot of the same shit I had. And one day we like merged all of our toys in his basement and we did like a draft. We like lined them all up <laughs> and we teams and we set up like bases. He had the Ghostbusters mansion or not the mansion, the the firehouse or whatever you call it, you know, and there was something else. So we set up like these two bases on the opposite side of his basement floor and we drafted toy teams and we set up and we created like this sort of like little tangible war that they did and you could only use like the moves that their characters had or whatever but i I was doing shit like that all the time but it was usually like some sort of versus thing like Mm. this team is that thing and i would create wars but i would also create like social conflict between them like this is why we're fighting about this you know and i would say that i too had a nintendo and i also liked a lot of video games but i think that one thing gets lost about like early nintendo and super nintendo is that we all have eight games and there was two of them that we could beat, and we'd beat them 100 times, and there was, like, five of them that we could seriously play for 20 minutes until we'd die or get stuck. And so I don't, I didn't find those experiences rather repeatable as mm. I did with my own toys where I could create new scenarios and create my own adventures, like, every time. Yeah. So I would say that one of the, one of the saddest things about growing up is that one day, and this happens in Toy Story, like, one day you stop looking at those toys as a source of entertainment, you know? And it's an incredibly wholesome and productive and thoughtful exercise to create all of this fun and imagination and experience without anything. Like you're creating this fun little afternoon for yourself with absolutely nothing. And at the same time, you're exercising your brain power. There's a lot of people that worry that as generations keep going on and there's more and more advanced tech, they'll never need to do that. And that may be true at some point. I don't think that's happened yet, but... It's one of my fondest things about growing up in the era that we did was that I feel like you and I, in our era, we got to see a little bit of everything. Yeah, totally. I I totally agree. I mean, honestly, though, my kids are – Ivy's been good at doing – she has a ton of dolls that she's done – like when she was younger, she would play with and do pretend things with and name them. And She has dolls to this day that she named and she still – I don't – doesn't talk to, but like she – plays with you know what but you know what link does and link's always had a good imagination with toys or with anything like he would sit up in his room for hours and play with his toys but now he has a basketball hoop in his room which is like a, a toy basketball hoop that's hanging on his wall and he will hang out in his room for hours playing basketball on it and he comes downstairs and he's like, dad i just beat the san antonio spurs on the los angeles lakers like some score to some score like and like he he imagines himself playing basketball against NBA players. And I'm like, that is, yeah, he, my link of my kids, link has the best imagination. Like he's always pretending or, you know, like he like is always being like being traded to another team in the NBA. Like he just has, he gets really excited about that. And so he has a really good imagination with toys, but they still, they have the technology stuff, but like my kids will still play with physical toys when they are done when they're done playing that video game you know like they it's cool it's like watching my kids still be kids even at eight years old because i think people think oh kids get so grow up so quickly now because of technology or because of you know 
the world we live in. And I'm like, it's kind of true. Like my kids do act older, but like they still also love to play imagination. And, and I think that even with technology, like it gets better because now they have phones and they can make movies that we couldn't do when we were kids. We didn't, I didn't, you might've had a video camera. I had a video camera, but I wasn't making movies with it. My kids have phones and they make little movies with it. And and they're learning video editing at eight years old. These are skills that they can have now and then they can use when they're getting older as for creating content. I think it is almost better to be a kid now just because there's so much ways to be imagined, like to use your imagination. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. Britain does have good kids, but I've seen a lot of shit kids that are just addicted to tech. That's and true. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I swear they don't have anything going on behind their eyes. That's, <laughs> that's not how I'd ever describe your kids, though. I want to get into the production history just a little bit. It was written and directed by John Lasseter. He also did A Bug's Life, which I'm really fond of. He did Toy Story 2, Cars, and Cars 2. Which I've never really gotten into the Cars movies. There was a bunch of screenwriters and people credited with original story by, and it seemed like there was a lot of hands in this movie. And I guess it went on for several years and got into some production issues. It went through several drafts. One of the credited screenwriters was Joss Whedon. Oh, wow. Um, famous for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a, a cabin, cabin by the Woods and a, and a slew of other really successful things. But he worked on this movie as a writer. So it'd be fun to know kind of which lines were his and, and which ideas were his and things like that. Not that I do know, but that would be fun to know. He's billed um, as a number one writer on it. So that mean does that mean he wrote the most or he had the most input in it? I always forget the layer layers, but well, there's on this one there's four original story buys and there's four or five screenplays by original stories will typically come first because yeah. that's but the screenwriter who probably started the final screenplay that they used would probably be number one. Oh, now that doesn't necessarily mean he did the most work or whatever because this particular script went through so many iterations. But whatever the final script was that they used, if he's billed first, that means it was probably him that started it or did the most, like you said. Yeah. No, it's an ensemble writing crew, and so it's a little harder to determine. Dumb shit. So I don't really have any dumb shit. I mean, what I I don't personally have, and I'm I mean I'm full of criticism, right? I don't personally have anything to criticize about Toy Story. I think it was like all things considered, I think it might be like. One of the greatest Disney movies ever released. It's certainly one of my personal favorites. It came out when I was almost 12. So I'm like right in that sweet spot of still liking kids movies and smart enough to really understand not just the kids stuff, but also the morals and the adult shit going on too. And I was a bright kid, adult humor. So this movie hit me at just the right spot. It's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 100%. That That's a short list of movies that are 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And most of them are a lot more recent. And there's money involved for that factor. Yeah. I've never, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Toy Story. I'm sure they're out there, but I, I'd imagine they're few and far between, right? I I don't know anyone who doesn't like Toy Story. I wanted to go back to the dumb shit, and this is probably dumb shit on my part, is the movie is fine to watch today, and I think it's great, but the CGI, does, it doesn't hold up as well. It looks good, but it looks like, oh, this is CGI from the 90s, and I've always wondered in the world of CGI and how easy it is to to make stuff look better. There 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 has to be a plan for them to re-release Toy Story with all the same voices and all the same it's exactly the same movie, but it just looks like a movie that came out today, like with updated visuals. I feel like this movie would actually benefit great, greatly from that, but that might be some dumb shit that Brennan thinks. <laughs> I don't know. I 
It, it was made in 1995. It should look like mid 90s computer generated graphics, right? Like, right. I mean, that said that as a criticism, but that, that's literally what it is. That's you know, criticizing a Tyrannosaurus Rex for having too short of arms. That's that's what it is. Right. Yeah. That's true. Uh, like, you're right. It could probably be touched up. And, uh, you know, I, me and you both do a lot of gaming, and so in this world of gaming, I've noticed that a lot of video games have started doing this, where they, movie, the games that came back out, came out in like the 90s or in the early 2000s that are just really, they're not replayable anymore because they just, the graphics are so bad, like especially from the 64 era, uh, era and the PlayStation era, they just recreate them and make them updated graphics because they're not, they're a lot more fun to play in the because the story still holds up and the gameplay still holds up but the visuals are just like crap and that's not the case for toy story but like you no know, and in, in that world of remastering stuff like i could just see them doing this it's going to be the 30th anniversary next year for toy story i wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that or you know or maybe save it for the 50th anniversary right right and it's disney and they re-release all their shit again and again they're like hey can we make an extra nickel let's release it again you know disney's saturation strategy is very obvious so, yeah, that could happen. It doesn't bother me, but I, I could see your point. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about this movie, and I always talk about this, it's 81 minutes long, and it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not a single person thought, this movie should be longer. We need more story. We need more examples of everything you're trying to tell us. We need backstory on Andy and what he was like as a toddler and the time his mother, you know, forgot him at P at pizza planet which gives him weird feelings about pizza we need andy to have identity issues about what gender he is none of that exists <laughs> it's just a simple story about a kid playing with toys and it's 80 minutes and everybody fucking loves it because you get in you get it you don't need you don't need all that extra stuff and when people watch a movie and they like it and then they start saying well i wish it would have also had this i wish it would have also had that they're thinking about it in a straight addition subtraction way when in reality storytelling especially in the film medium and tv is largely like a recipe to like a cake or something and you may love sugar but adding like an extra pound of sugar in your cake does not make it taste better you know what i mean and that's exactly how i feel about movies and i think it's a big mistake to add an extra pound of sugar to every fucking marvel movie that comes out and make it two and a half hours long i just think you guys are wasting all of our time and you're missing the core shit that people really are drawn to in my opinion that's fair, yeah. In today's world of making Toy Story or any type of series, they I feel like they add shit to movies now. Like you said, just for the sequel sometimes. Like, in, definitely in MCU movies. Like, they're just like, they put stuff in there just so, like, they might make another movie that goes off on that in that direction. And, like, I imagine if they made Toy Story today, like, they would probably add something else to it. Like, they've made, like, I, I was going to ask you about the sequels. Like, I, I mean, I like, the sequels are fine, like for what they're worth, but like they don't, I, I don't ever really go back to them as much as I go back to the original, right? I've only ever seen Toy Story 2 like once. Yeah. I've seen Toy Story three times, and I don't, I'm not even positive I've seen Toy Story 4, to be honest. If I did, I've forgotten it. Yeah. But I, but when I saw Toy Story 3 in the theater, I was like shook. I was like, that was a great sequel. Mm. Like, how many part threes of anything are worth a shit? And Toy Story 3 was really, really good. Toy Story 3 was amazing. When, Toy Story 3, actually, and they waited 10 years for Toy Story 3 to come out. And because I don't know if anyone ever expected Toy Story 3 to come out. And then when it did, it was, the story was so, they, you know, they kind of added to what made Toy Story so good. And Toy Story 4 was, 
was fun, I guess. It, plot. The plot is in Toy Story Three, like the toys are now with a new uh Andy. I forgot what the the girl's name is. Um, but they're on like a road trip and they get lost and they get lost during the road trip. And they have to get back to the RV that they're on. And, but they're in this little small town. And so they have to, it's kind of a similar plot to Toy Story 1, but instead of being at the house, it's now they're on the road. And there's a cast of characters that are in it that are, there's like Jordan Peele's in it. Um, is it that same cute little girl from the end of part Toy Story 3? Yeah. And then Keanu Reeves is in it. Like, there's a bunch of other characters, that like famous actors that are doing voices in it. It's good. They took Link and Ivy to see it. This was 2019. And they were just at that age to start seeing movies in the theater, but not... But I, I still think they didn't really like. It was a little bit too long. I, it was pro- and it was probably like over ninety minutes, which is always a problem for children's movies. Don't make movies over and ninety me. minutes. It's a problem for children and me, <laughs> and for Adam. <laughs> but yeah, no, I you go watch this movie if you haven't. I mean, I'm sure you have, but it's on Disney Plus, so like it's easy to find. Like you can watch them all and enjoy them. And I there, it's this is the one of the best Disney movies to go back to and watch because there's, it's really just movie candy so we'll do an episode where i'm talking a lot of shit again but that wasn't for today because i really respect toy story Mm -hmm. Vernon pointer i just want to remind everybody super 90s brothers at gmail.com is the way to email us all spelled out at super 90s brothers at spocast pods to twitter us this was Vernon. i'm adam and this has been another water hole poisoning episode on super 90s bros toy story style and remember the next time a new spaceman friend shows up on your door You need to kill him before he ruins the dynamics between you and your loved ones. (laughs) Peace. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. Just remember what your old past said for you.